All right, y'all. Here we are. Episode 22 of the Stories of Gumption podcast. Conversations with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and in my opinion, just really, really impressive people. We got some sponsors, and uh, the support keeps coming. So let's get those out of the way so you can get moving on and enjoying this episode. Number 22 already. It's crazy. Crazy. First sponsor, been on since the beginning of this podcast, still supporting this podcast, Open Gate Farmstead. They're a stone's throw away from the mighty Osable River. Open Gate Farmstead is a first-generation farm specializing in free-range poultry, pasture-raised pork, and seasonal produce. The farm is run using a simple principle. Happy animals make the healthiest and tastiest product. If you haven't heard about these guys before, uh, go check them out on YouTube or their Instagram, social media. They're on Facebook. They got a really robust YouTube page. Lots of cool stuff that you can watch from the farm. Uh, I know that they have pork. They have vegetables. They have eggs. They have chicken. And I don't want to put them too too much pressure on them. But the other day I was talking to them about... Uh, the next level of uh, options with possibly lamb and some other things that they're bringing to the table. They're doing great stuff. Open Gate Farmstead. Check them out. Uh, We are also sponsored by Kavanaugh Realty. They're an independent local real estate company helping their neighbors buy and sell their homes. And boy, are they doing it. They're doing a great job. Uh, I've said this in very early uh, moments when Kavanaugh started uh, sponsoring this uh, podcast, but we are blessed to have so many great brokers and agents in the Champlain Valley, Vermont, Northern New York region. But Kavanaugh Realty went to bat for my wife and I when we were looking to buy our first home. It can be an intimidating process, and to have Galen Trombley by our side was phenomenal. We have a new sponsor. Really excited about this one. If you remember, previously in the podcast, we had Dr. Sharon Thoreau on. Well, she is bringing her knowledge and uh, professionalism to the North Country with Adirondack Mindfulness. Uh, She is actually going to be offering an evidence-based mindfulness uh, course Uh, It's going to be the eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction MBSR uh, course. It's it's a phenomenal course, and you should consider it. They're going to be doing it right at Valcor Brewing Company starting in November all the way through uh, once a week on a Saturday. Uh, Get your meditation on. Learn how to be more mindful moment to moment. Uh, It's an incredible skill set that I don't have, but I am signing up. I'll be there. Uh, Really excited about it. So Adirondack Mindfulness, they're enriching the lives of North Country residents through education, research, and the application of the science of moment to moment awareness. So if you want to learn more about this local class that she's putting on, or you're just interested in seeing what's happening, uh, check her out on Facebook, Adirondack Mindfulness, or on the web, www.adirondackmindfulness, all spelled out one word, adirondackmindfulness.com. Today, got another treat. We are bringing on a fellow podcaster to the Stories of Gumption podcast, Mr. Matthew Waite. You may have heard of him if you listen to podcasts in this region. He is the host of Why Wait Innovate. I know he's been on uh, a few other podcasts as well. Uh, always a pleasure to have him uh, in studio and having conversations. He talks about an interesting story of gumption. I know he's shared on another podcast already as well, but the struggle of Getting through the bar, getting through law school, and conquering a tough moment. This is episode 22 of the Stories of Gumption podcast. Enjoy. Gumption, defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, and shrewdness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Stories of Gumption, 
with your host, Ryan Lee. All right, man, we are live. Another episode of Stories of Gumption. Loving it. Loving it. So today I am with Mr. Matthew Waite. He's an attorney at law. He is the assistant public defender for the Essex County Public Defender's Office and uh, arguably uh, my most favorite in many ways. He's a fellow podcaster with Why Wait Innovate on North Volume. Uh, pleased to have you here. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Matt Wait. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's really a pleasure. I'm honored and privileged and uh, thankful to be here. I love what you're doing. And obviously, um, I think what's going on in Plattsburgh is amazing. And uh, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to discuss some of what I'm doing and, and what you're doing here at uh, Stories of Gumption, which is amazing. Thanks, man. I, I, well, I'm having fun, right? We're, ha- we're having a lot of conversations. Unique unique people have been on the podcast and uh, certainly have learned a lot. Certainly really uh, enjoyed that. And uh, I, uh, I'm i glad to have you on as, as another one. So uh, let's get to this a little bit, okay? Because I love asking kind of background stories for all my guests. But I, I really want to know, like, where, where did Matt Waite come from, man? Where where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? What'd you do for fun? And, and how'd you end up getting into uh, the decision to, hey, I want, I think I want to be a lawyer. Yeah. So uh, born and raised here, mostly in uh, Clinton County. I was born in Plattsburgh. At a very young age, though, we did kind of move. We lived in Malone uh, for a while, then out to Maine. My brother was born in Maine, in Bangor, Bangor Maine. And uh, so lived in South Portland then until I think about five I was about five, and then we moved here back to where I was born, next to where my mother's family was in Morrisonville, New York. My uh, grandfather built a house there that we're now living in, and I uh, grew up right next door on the another old farm uh, part of the family. And, uh, you know, went to school in Peru, graduated 2001, uh, went out to Buffalo for undergrad. Nice. Eventually, uh, Albany Law School, and... You've mentioned in the past you're a Sabres fan. That's right. That's where that was developed. <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, Dominic, Dominic Hasek, uh, you know, the dominator, got me into the Sabres. I loved watching him play and, and you know, going out to Buffalo just to kind of seared that into uh, my fandom. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because if you said that you're a Canadians fan, this podcast would have been over pretty quick. As a Bruins fan. He, Quickest episode. <laughs> he was chirping my uh, Bruins. I would have lacked gumption. <laughs> <laughs> my my Bruins, uh, I don't even know what you call these, Tervis. I got a Tervis cup here. He's, anyhow, I digress. But yeah, so you went to college at Buffalo. Take, keep going for me. Yeah, so I started in the engineering department because uh, in high school, I was pretty good. Uh, did, you know, did the sports thing, was okay, decent athlete. Um, not, not as much as my brother, but uh, that's another podcast as well. <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of just said, okay, what am I going to do? D- decided between a couple... Uh, schools. I was thinking engineering, Clarkson, Colorado School of Mines. Um, ultimately, didn't necessarily know I wanted to go into that, so I picked up University of Buffalo, a little bit more diverse as far as the uh, curriculum they offered. So, went there, stayed in state. Uh, in hindsight, I think I made the right decision. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, um, even though I went to the right place, uh, the major didn't seem to uh, to fit. I kind of got my butt kicked in engineering and math and science, and uh, uh, that was an, an, certainly an awakening into uh you know the just how far behind i think some of uh, the schooling is that we're doing in math and science and why stem is such a big initiative because mm. you know university of buffalo is a big research facility and you know a lot of uh, foreign students and you know they're much more uh you know advanced in math and science i think yeah. than, than some of our high schoolers so i would agree with that i got i i got a lesson there and uh but you know the thing that worked out is i went into politics at that time i was getting really politically active and um just kind of made that made that transition and uh you know here i am nice nice so at some point you make the decision yeah i i'm you're in politics you've, you've graduated from buffalo and you gotta decide am i gonna go to law school or not help me with that yeah it was kind of serendipitous as you know it's been kind of a theme in a lot of my podcasts is i just happened to be around people who were thinking of going to law school and it just happened to be you know yeah i guess coincidence but they were all doing it and you know, to tie this in, you know, one of the, in the back of my head, I was kind of always considering law because my mom would always want to get into arguments with her, but you should be a lawyer someday and, you know, <laughs> just tuck that in there. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, eventually just kind of came a point where, um, you know, I graduated with a political science degree. It was really difficult to kind of do something with that. Um, mm. you know, you can't really teach, you don't have an advanced degree. You can go work for campaigns, but that's, you know, you get at the bottom and start with interns. Were you considering and, that? Um, 
just for a little bit. I mean, at that point, I wasn't, I was kind of, I'm always kind of a macro big picture thinker. And at that point, I wasn't necessarily thinking I'm going to get the next, you know, city treasurer of Buffalo elected. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so, um, so no, I was more big picture and I, you know, got into working at a bar restaurant, uh, Fat Bob's in, in uh, Buffalo, did that for a year and a half, kind of the service industry, cut my teeth there. That's and, a great name, Fat Bob's. Yeah, oh my God, uh, their mac and cheese and their barbecue, <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, if you're in Buffalo, check out Fat Bob's there in Virginia Place, a little shout out. But, uh, love it. And I love Buffalo. I mean, the, just the culture down there and everything, it was a lot of fun. It met some really cool people, had a good time. But ultimately, I needed to kind of move on and, and figure out what I was going to do with a career. And it was, I did kind of, kind of an epiphany one night where I was just kind of thinking like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, you've got, you know, all these things you want to accomplish, but you know, you don't really have the vehicle yet to do that. And I was thinking, okay, law school, you know, I, I kind of really hardened in on that, that thought of, I, I can do this. So pursued that, took the LSATs, did, did pretty well. Um, I think like 60th percentile well enough to where, you know, I could, I can get into a decent school and uh, ended up getting into Albany law, which is a pretty good school, still third tier, but, um, you know, Hey. That's great. There's there's worse schools out there, but I'm not going to mention them here. But anyway, so <laughs> yeah, and and you know, kind of went in, um, you know, thinking I was going to be able to to light up the world on fire, and you know, got got another lesson. I did I did okay, but it was kind of similar to undergrad. Kind of got there thinking, okay, you know, I think uh, not having a you know a parent or relative who had been a lawyer kind of put me at a step behind. I kind of mm. just went in not really knowing what to expect, and and yeah, I did all right. Um, made it through and. Then this, you know, second year, third year kind of got my feet under me and got a little bit more confidence. And then, you know, the, the whole bar exam thing come, came up. And that's where I think, you know, kind of my first story of gumption, you know, mm, takes place. I like that. So so it is the Stories of Gumption podcast. So uh, I'd love to get into your, your story of gumption. Uh, but tell me first, what does gumption mean to you? Oh, yeah. So gumption, I What's think... What's gumption mean to Matt Wait. Yeah, I thought about this for, you know, an hour or so in preparation for this. I think gumption... Uh, one thing I think about people who have gumption is um, they have conviction. They know what they want to do. They kind of have a steadfastness and a boldness with which they pursue things. Mm, I like that. I like that. This <clears throat> This idea of just digging deep when things get hard or uncomfortable or not... They're not uh, going your way, but you know you still have a goal to accomplish. So I guess in that light, what is your story of gumption? So, yeah, I mean, uh, talking about conviction, even though I was in law school, I still wasn't necessarily sure what I wanted to do with that. You know, environmental law, you know, that was appealing to me, but most of the environmental law jobs, ironically, are working for, you know, people who are polluting the environment and, and you know, their corporations who are paying people to protect them. But that's probably another podcast as well. Um so, you know, I, I thought about the politics stuff, considered that, you know, maybe going and trying to work for the Assembly or the Senate and just didn't have any c connections or contacts at that point because mm. kind of the uh, the law market kind of fell off at that point. There was, a you know, mm. the big uh, recession 2008, yep. which kind of threw a lot of people out. So I graduated 2010, which was kind of uh, one of the worst parts of that. So <laughs> uh, very lucky on, on that frame. So well-timed, my friend, well-timed. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, you know, I did what everyone else did. I took the bar exam and, you know, studied and took took the exam, you know, the prep, the Barbary or Peeper or whatever um, people do and um, felt, felt pretty good. My grandfather died during that summer. So that set me back a little bit. And I was kind of thinking about that. Uh, a little bit. But anyway, you know, kind of studied and uh, went into it um, July 2010. And uh, morning, I thought I did pretty well. You know, you're basically the there's two days for New York State Bar. One is the essays the first day and then the multi-state the second day, which is multiple choice. Break this down for me a little bit, because I think I, I know you're going to tell more of your story of, of the experience of taking the bar exam. But as someone who's never I, I mean, I have so many friends, including you, who have taken the bar and nobody's happy about their experience. Now it sounds like you have a very uh, unique experience for sure that you're going to share, but break down what the actual test is like structure wise. So I, I can, I can get a better idea of what, what it is you are about to try and conquer and what the listeners who are not privy to this information would be like, what is, I know it's a hard test, but why is it so hard? Outside of just the content. Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. Um, 
so the reason it's so difficult is because uh, with law, there's uh, laws govern essentially everything that we do, from you know maritime law to uh, contracts to property law to uh, wills and estates and exchanging of, of property. Um, so you basically have to know almost everything. I mean, it, it's it sounds ridiculous, but uh, um, there's I think 26 or 27 different um, subjects that are covered in the New York State Bar Exam, and so the first day is essays, and they're going to, I believe it's six essays or something to that effect uh, that you have to do, and basically you don't know ahead of time what they're going to ask. You can kind of try and guess based on previous tests, so they haven't done this in a while, but that's essentially what's so difficult is you're going in blind. You're, you know you're going to be tested on basically uh, everything, the law, but you know there's six uh, torts, some other uh, big ticket areas, criminal law procedure uh, that are obviously very important, and, and those, you know, come up a lot and you're basically just given a fact pattern you know this is what happened this is a story hmm. and you have to issue spot and you're like oh here's the issue it's a you know this is a, this is a criminal act you know this is a, an assault this is a tort etc uh, this is negligence um, you know uh, this is obviously a will this person died so um, yeah you're basically just going through issue spotting and you have to get all this accomplished in a very short amount of time wow so what do, how, what amount of time are you we talking here so the morning, what is it, 8 to uh, like eight to 12, 4 hours, and I think the afternoon is uh, is like a 3-hour block, so about 7 hours each day, I would say, maybe maybe 8. Yeah, it's been Holy a while, and, and I don't like to think about that, so you know, I don't <laughs> go, go back to like, oh my, man, now what was it, that, that, that great 8 hours? or? Oh man, that was such a great day. I think it's about 15 <laughs> or 16 hours, so at least we're not in California where they have a 3-day exam, so. Holy smokes. Okay, so that that's very helpful to me. It, it helps me understand the stakes, right? Like, this is high stakes. You've invested all this money in law school. You've obviously invested money in undergrad prior to that. And now you've invested the time to study and leverage your education from law school. And you're about to take this exam. And you're a mid-20-year-old. Let's keep that in, in, in effect, <laughs> yeah, too. Like, your, right. br- your brain is kind of just to the point where it's fully getting developed. And maybe for some of these younger individuals, it's not. And yeah, your entire, you know, in your in your head at that time, your entire life, your entire career is hanging in the balance. So, kind of a big deal. You know, it's obviously embarrassing to to fail. So, what happened with me is the morning, um, everything went pretty well. Issue spotted, th- felt pretty good. Felt I was on, you know, about where the, where I was looking. Got most of my issues spotted. Time wise, felt pretty good. Then the afternoon came, and Times Union Center. I was on the outside, uh, above where the uh, down where you take the stairs to the basketball court. Um, big two-inch thick glass uh, windows and essentially started to realize that my uh, testing site was placed right in the spot where a light pollution and the sun was essentially coming behind the window behind me and reflecting directly on my computer screen, my laptop, with which I was taking the exam. So I really couldn't see or read my computer screen. Cla- which classic, Yeah, classic example where the screen's just totally like sunned out. Just reflective and yeah, you really, you, you know, you're kind of wincing and trying to get that angle on the side and uh, not a whole lot of fun to basically start your afternoon line. And yeah, by the way, let's keep in mind, it's literally a little bit hotter there, like two inch thick glass. I know if, you know, this summer you can even tell if you're in the sunlight versus the shade what that means. So yeah, I was a little bit nervous before that started and uh, that didn't help. So yeah, your anxiety goes up, your temperature goes up. Your blood starts going, and uh, it just, you know, it's typically not where you want to be. So what happened? What happened? So what? I tried to bear it out for about five minutes, ten minutes, and I was like, this this is just brutal. Uh, so I call a proctor. Um, you know, they come over. I'm like, you know, this is what I'm dealing with. Like, I can't, I can't see what I'm typing. I can't, you know, it's very difficult. And uh, I think she acknowledged that and uh, went back for about five or ten minutes and said, okay, why don't you just turn 90 degrees? So I'm sitting next to someone, two by two, basically all these seats sitting right next to someone. And uh, so they're like, okay, turn 90 degrees. So instead of the light reflecting off your computer, it's basically just you're side eyeing. And now I'm, you know, kind of looking at uh, someone sitting next to me, a fellow, um, you know, a person seeking bar admission. And uh, needless to say, pretty awkward. And, and still the sun issue not uh, resolved. So I was a little disappointed that, you know, I couldn't get resolved or have something set up somewhere else. Like, you know, in my mind, fairly uh, negligent uh, setup. Like you didn't go the night before and s- or the day before and say, "Hey, where are we putting these up? Is there going to be a sun issue?" Like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of important. Like everything's on the line, and then someone who works for the New York State Board of Law Examiners just punts it, just has yeah. a bad day. Yeah. Now remind me the setting. I'm I'm trying to envision what this was. Did you say Times Union Center? Yeah. So you know, that's a big 
place, man. So it where is. where were you in that like arena? So right next to the window, apparently, you know, where where <laughs> like two of the windows come. So if you if trying to think where a window would be in the Times Union, are you were out on the like hallway? Where yeah, all the hallway the surrounding were? it, exactly where the concessions are. Interesting. Yeah, and and you can actually see it if you drive if you like leave uh, from the downtown Albany area. You can actually see you drive by the Times Union Center. The area of the highway goes really close to that. So now when I do that, I can get nightmares still from you know, looking back <laughs> on on what happened to me that day. So oh. fast forward. Um, you know, I kind of, at the end of the, the time, just went up and complained and said, listen, you know, I don't want to be a pain, but I need to report this. This is ridiculous. And she's like, okay, well, you know, we'll note it. We got it. We're like, we'll take care of that. You got, and I had day two ahead of me at this point. So I'm thinking, okay, I've got other things to worry about. I got to go and, you know, crunch for uh, the multi-state. So I do that. Don't think of it much. And then same thing in the next morning. Morning, not much of an issue because the sun is behind me. Same um, seat. Same seat. Yep. They didn't move me at all, of course. Even despite my saying this really wasn't that cool, um, but you know I didn't file a formal protest. I guess, or, or I don't know what I should have done in retrospect. But so did um, you pass? No, I failed by three <laughs> points. And uh, you know, just to add a little bit more detail to this, uh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> uh, it, it, the afternoon, basically, what happened is the sun was still in my workstation, and I wanted to focus, so I basically had my my uh, hands right over my eyes. The, your listeners won't be able to see this, but basically, kind of just like tunnel vision. Focusing yeah. on the exam, I ended up literally leaving bleeding. Like I was bleeding leaving the New York State bar examination because yeah. it was like a cheap plywood, and I was just like digging and trying on, to focus. El- elbows on the table. Elbows on the and, table. And your hands kind of cupping around your eyebrows. Basically, just, just yeah, just trying to fully envelop the exam so none of the sunlight came through, so I could actually focus on the test. I mean, it sounds crazy, but that's what happened. And yeah, I went through the whole thing of trying to protest and. And let's just say uh, it's very difficult to challenge the board of law examiners and trying to tell them that they screwed up. Because the t- the test, you know, from from an outsider looking in, you know, there's the test itself, even under perfect, bougie, comfortable conditions, is <laughs> stressful as hell. Right? Of course. Yep. So <laughs> you throw that into it, I can't even imagine that would be. Uh, well, yeah, you gotta ha- you gotta muster some gumption. To, you you've made it this far. Now is not quitting time, but it sounds like it sounds like uh, you just barely didn't pass. So what would you do? Yeah. So this is, I think, where the gumption comes in, because at that point, I don't think I fully had gumption because, you know, I kind of took it uh, and I said, you know what? I minimized it. I said, you know what? You had this. It was not your fault. It was not you know, it was just for this thing that happened that was thrust upon you that you, you know, are, are now in this situation. And, you know, I kind of blamed the world for a little while. And I had a period where I kind of, you know, was probably not the easiest person to be around because I felt, you know, kind of uh, victimized by this process and not really being given the what I thought was, you know, at least the, the platform that I wanted to kind of, uh, vent, you know, kind of put out my case like evidence like right i'm about to be a lawyer like let's have a hearing where i make my case and i put forward the evidence and say like you know you guys screwed up here and that just wasn't available to me and no one was willing to support me so and you didn't fail by much three points three points so yeah there's there's that autom- seems pretty insignificant to me it really i mean i hate to say this but it really is you could have three points you could have someone who you know who, who honestly just based on just one close thing or all these close calls in these essays just yeah just someone was a little bit more generous and had a better day and that proctor was in a hurry and maybe didn't review their papers quickly because the time constraints on these people are crazy so yeah um so i kind of took it a little bit um you know lax and i said okay i got this went into february kind of not even realizing that the february bar rates dropped precipitously like way down um for a couple reasons but anyway so failed that one and then the gumption really kind of came i said okay like you got to put up or shut up now uh, you failed it twice, you know, th- third time is the charm, but otherwise, if you don't do this, you're going to have to do something else. So just really kind of got to that point where I was at a, at a breaking point and just said, you know what, you got to buckle down, you got to develop your gumption, you got to have some conviction that you want to be a lawyer and that you want to do this. I mean, I had already kind of proved to myself because of how close I was that I could have passed the bar, but I needed to prove it to everyone else. Yes. And uh, so, yes. you know, I buckled down, I was taking the essays less seriously because I was just crushing the the, the multi-state and the, the multiple choice but this time I said no I've got to develop my writing better I need to to, to uh, simple simplify my formula um, I did that and I did very well in the third one and then you know I won't, won't say it was all uh, rainbows and pucky, puppy dogs since then but uh 
But uh, things got a lot better, and things opened up for me a little bit, obviously, with, with that accomplishment. I'd be remiss in not asking your opinion from living through this experience. What advice would you give to any listeners out there of this podcast who are considering law school, considering taking the bar, and and studying for that? I'm great you asked that question. Yeah. I think it comes down to conviction. If you are convinced in your heart and your soul that you want to be a litigator, you want to be an attorney, you want to be an advocate, then by all means do it. Um, and no one should hold you back. Just do it. Don't listen to the detractors. It's going to cost you a lot of money. You're going to take out a lot of loans. But, you know, I'm kind of at the Gary V school. Just do what you want to do. And just and you're, you're going to find a way. If you love what you do, there's a market for that. And just be you, be genuine, and, and go for it. And if you have a lot of or even some very significant lingering doubts in the back of your head, don't do it. Do an internship. Go work for a law firm. Mm. Go, go, you know, it's, it's easy to say for some people, not everyone has that opportunity, but kick the tires at it and you know, try and be around those people. Ask those people what they think. And if you like what they do and you're motivated, do it. Yeah. What's the hardest thing about law school in general not that i'm 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 very happily employed for hickok and boardman as an insurance broker sure. and i'm gonna take that as long as i can but for those listening who might be thinking of a career change and like man i gotta go to law school i gotta do the lsat like what would you say what kind of advice how would you coach somebody whether they're the right fit for that or not and whether they should do it i mean i know you said what your just previous answer touches on a lot of that. It does, but, but I can certainly expound because there's obviously uh, an additional component or two components at least. One is, I think, you know, obviously educational aptitude. You've got to be a good test taker, right? I mean, that's that's one thing. And um, uh, the other thing I think I, I would just add to that is um, one the one thing looking back that I really didn't take advantage of is working with other people. Despite being on teams throughout my career, I think – I never really fully understood, you know, to the extent to which other people can help you, and to which you can you can build off of each other, and you know, um, work with each other to make the sum of the parts greater. Mm. And like as far as studying, I didn't get into study groups the first you know couple years. That only came later, and um, I think as a result of that, I was kind of doing it alone, and I didn't have the advantage that some other people did. So if you're going to do it, um, talk to people and work with people in that in that group, and. Uh, and try and I mean, if, if you're on the fence, see if there's someone else who who you know and love, and maybe you know if they're thinking of doing the same thing, make it. See if you can go with them, and for, just try and work with others and form study groups, and and just know that you don't have to do it all on your own. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. That's a great answer, and and um, it, it kind of just speaks to the fact of you know, don't be scared to reach out to someone who who you trust and love, and 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 maybe they're doing it now or they're, they're looking to do it and, and surround yourself with people who are going to help you accomplish a goal you might have. Now you are a practicing attorney and a public defender. That's right. Now, again, this is my own naivete to this whole conversation, but I'd love to take just a couple of minutes and kind of ask you to like unpack the decision once you pass the bar to choose your field of law and so clearly you've taken an approach of being a public defender i feel like that would be a very different type of law than the many others that are available to you why why did you make that choice and if you don't mind explain kind of your thought process around all of that no uh, i think a lot of it is quite frankly supply and demand and just those natural economic forces and when i came out there again there wasn't much available to anyone um because of the, the state of the, the market so i did a lot of uh, document review projects a lot of very unsexy uh work basically just pouring through documents looking for certain information they were look, looking to highlight um painstaking tedious work um that nobody you know wants to do but it was good it's good work right like listen i'm not i'm not here demeaning that i'm just saying within the legal world um you know it's a little bit monotonous and not very substantive as far as making legal arguments so i uh, did that for a while eventually just started throwing out resumes everywhere first real kind of career opportunity well I, you know just kind of did some of counsel stuff did some retained work here and there uh, made it work for me some volunteer work and then finally i uh, got an offer up here with the uh, um, Clinton County Department of Social Services to be a family attorney um, and did that for seven months and uh, 
uh, great experience. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Um, and, uh, you know, it didn't work out for either one of us and uh, had a kind of a parting. And I think everything's been great ever since. I started my own practice. And, um, you know, after a while, that worked out really well. Mm-hmm. I, I was able yeah. to build up my reputation to take care of some clients to, um, you know, kind of build up a name. And, uh, and you know, that was pretty rewarding, obviously. You know, fighting against the system, it's very, very difficult. But, uh you know, rewarding work, I think. And that's kind of what did kind of draw me was, you know, up here in Clinton County, we had the, we don't have a public defender's office. We had a 18B, which, you know, it's nerding out a little bit, but basically just uh, anyone could do assigned counsel work, criminal cases. Um, and uh, so I just started doing that, going to local criminal courts and taking cases and hustling. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's good work uh, if you can make it work. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's taxing it's difficult there's there's lots of law there's lots of you know just kind of um trying to to figure out who's telling the truth the investigations i mean the the toughest part for me was the secretarial and kind of administrative aspect and that's why ultimately i did uh join the essex county public defender's office because they've got a great staff there uh great attorneys and and the team aspect that i mentioned now i can you know kick ideas off other people and if i want to go to a trial i got a second chair rather than kind of having to ask other people to come in uh, who are also private attorneys with a full schedule. So um, I've been really thrilled with the transition five months in. Uh, they've got a great office down there, and uh, Essex County is a beautiful place. Mm. Um, and uh, we're, we're doing our best to, to fight against the system, which is you know still dealing with some very real problems like the opioid crisis, which I highlighted in my uh, podcast on a seven-part miniseries. So. That was a great miniseries, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've gotten a, a lot of... The, I think probably my best work other than, you know, a couple episodes here and there. But I'm really thankful for everyone who participated because I think that's really what made it work. Yeah. Is because uh, Michael Carpenter, Janet Dupree, uh, Billy Jones, Connie Willie, uh, Rochelle Gregory. Um, uh, the, the Ed Kirby. Ed Kirby. Yeah. Good um, friend of mine. Fran- he, yeah. Doing a great. Sorry, I interrupted yeah, you. Fran Cornell. Yeah, yeah. Just a great list of people who really are doing a lot in this area. And you, you got their voices out uh, beyond the typical i don't want to say echo chamber of business people but like you really that that, that was a great series thank you yeah sheriff favreau and uh, um you know of course we had uh, county legislator patty waldron of course and probably the hardest episode i had to do was the three individuals uh, who lost a son to the opioid epidemic into uh, overdose and that's just it's heartbreaking but the way that they've rallied um and fran cornell with never lose hope learn to cope and what ed is doing with all of his volunteer work uh, and obviously Patty with what she's doing with the coffee cat and county legislator. I mean, just incredibly inspiring individuals. And that's why, you know, I guess if we just talk about the segue or podcasting, that's that's why I do it is to have those conversations with people who are doing really amazing things that I think um, until I got into podcasting or even, you know, uh, slightly city politics a little bit, I didn't really know what was going on. I thought I knew what was going on, but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect segue. Thanks for teeing it up. I mean, that's that's where exactly where I wanted to go with this. Now, you know, you're a very accomplished, at least locally, podcaster, and and uh, you know, you'd been doing this a solid year or more before I even thought about it. I think, you know, uh, I looked up to your podcast. You d- you've done a great job. Why wait? Innovate on on North Volume Media and. Uh, I was also very thankful that you you welcomed me on as somebody. It was who, great. It was a great conversation. Yeah, but but anyhow, I I uh, I would love to have a conversation about that because, um, just podcasting in general, right? I think the stories of Gumption podcast. Uh, we told a great story of you and, and your story of Gumption, but I think podcasting takes some gumption. There's some stuff behind the scenes that scenes that people don't totally understand that takes it up uh, you know going into uh, podcasting but tell me about your story uh leading up to that i don't know if i know that story where where you know why where did why wait innovate even come from yeah so i appreciate it um it just kind of worked out with uh timing and um i think i was just figuring out that podcasting was a big thing. I was a little bit late to the game. I think all of us around here in Plattsburgh were. That's why I think Damien Batnelli deserves a lot of credit. I think he was ahead of the curve. Excuse me. Ahead of the curve a little bit. Well, it's so- over a decade old 
thing. I, I mean, mean it's, it, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. When I did the research for a presentation I did at Rotary, uh, I realized that podcasting came, you know, kind of started with the iPod. And when that came out, and that's how it was named. And, uh, yeah, over a decade old, who would have known? And I was familiar with the formats like NPR and Serial and things of those nature. So I think I knew about podcasts before I knew about podcasts, if that makes sense. This is totally Terry Gross right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I, lo- I fell in love with the medium and Damien pitched me and said, hey, we're looking to bring some people on. Uh, you know, I'd always kind of been interested in having conversations and talking about certain issues. And, uh, you know, he said, come up with the first three episodes. And I pitched him on, you know, some of the ideas and some of the names and what we were going to do. And he loved it. And here we are. I mean, set. It's hard because I'd like to take credit for 75 episodes because I have 68 uh, out with the the Why Wait Innovate, but also the seven-part miniseries. So 75, essentially, episodes. Um, it's a lot, and, I, and it, you know, it, it feels like uh, we've done something, but it really helps to hear from people like you and people who are taking up the mantle because it does, to your point, take a lot of time. And the people who do podcasting right, and I don't want to disparage anybody because um, there's a lot out there. Um, but the sound versus the signal, um, you're a signal guy. Like you're talking about real issues. You're not making mm. it up. You're preparing for, for podcast. Preparation is difficult because we both work full-time jobs. We've got a lot of responsibilities, family and otherwise. And uh, being able to prepare adequately and to, um, and to even get the people on and to network, like it takes a lot of work. So, I mean, what you're doing is incredible. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really fulfilling on a number of different levels. I mean, just... You know, the networking aspect I didn't really think about, but that's obviously excellent. Like now I know a lot of people here in Plattsburgh and what they're doing and, and have positive experiences with a lot of them. But I think, you know, Gary Vee's talking about this. The future is audio and, and listening mm. and, and listening to conversations yeah. and, you know, with Alexa and everything's audio and voice activated. I think he's right. I think the future is going to be, you know, listening to people who are telling compelling stories, people who are having provocative conversations. And, you know, hopefully we're doing that. Mm. Yeah. No, there, there's a, there's a lot to, the, to all that, that you said. I mean, certainly, uh, appreciate the compliments. Thank you very much. You know, I think, um, I think the unique thing about podcasting that I really enjoy is that there's so many different structures you can establish for yourself. I mean, there's the classic Joe Rogan long form, talk about whatever the hell you want for four hours i don't i don't know if he has a shout out to matt craig Uh, yeah matt craig dude craig cast craig cast craig cast matt craig locally here in plattsburgh he does a long form very similar to joe rogan good too and and i was on yeah you were on i was on um and and you know it's perfect for matt craig style man he's that's the guy that i if if i wanted to listen to his podcast i want it to be three hours because that's just his style, you go deep in conversation with people, and that's great. You know, the why wait innovate? You're 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 very uh, from my experience uh, being on. You're you're very focused and structured, but uh, you allow uh, expansion of, of creative idea. But it's it's very like one one hour, and and you get to the point, and we have some really good conversations. We hit a lot of points in one episode versus sort of asking the listener to stick around for three hours to, to get to something they might be interested in. But <clears throat> there's so many different, there's formats. I mean, there's, there's the 15 minute podcast too, the daily five minute podcast. Um, podcasting in general is such a cool format. And I think you're, you're spot on. Uh, I think Damien is, is on with the whole it, audio is the future, right? Um, for me personally, I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but uh, I identified a weakness in myself with the help of my wife, of course, and, and family members, because uh, she is uh, she's superwoman and she, you know, in a very productive way, always helps me get better. But one of the things that I've found is a weakness of mine is when I get excited about conversation, I tend to just jump in and interrupt people. Like right mid sentence, you're right about to drop something important, and I interrupt you immediately. And uh, from the sheer just soft skills practice, podcasting has allowed me to become such a better listener. Have you found that? 
I have. Yep, we. I think we talked about this. I think the challenge is is kind of the the fallible memory that we have, and you just like you know right there we want to. I got to get you know these people give the shout outs because otherwise I'll forget about them and feel really bad about myself. But yeah, it's a constant struggle because um, I think you kind of nailed it in in the preparation aspect to it because everyone's different, and that's the great thing about podcasts is you know as Matt Craig would say, connoisseur of freedom. The the, the there's just ton of freedom. Like you can do whatever the you want. And yeah. I don't know, you know, if you I have the that. uncensored thing, but you know, we'll we'll keep it PG for oh, for the oh kids, no. but you, you you can you can uh swear tastefully on on this podcast. I've had a handful of people do it already and it is live, so you do what you got to do. But uh I you know, I I I just enjoy that aspect of it of um just having those conversations and Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. So what are some of the best uh I mean, not to rank like all the episodes you've done because you've done so many and, and not to prioritize any over over the other but has have there been any like real uh memorable uh conversations or guests that you've had that have uh really stuck with you for a particular reason yeah absolutely you know jeremiah ward was one of the earliest episode two that's still one of my favorites uh we'll have to have him back on just uh philosophy you know, political uh philosophies were very uh similar to that and uh, he's doing a lot of great work um, but I just, I love the, the diversity that we're trying to do. So like Amy Guglielmo, I talk about a lot. She sticks with me because she's just a great advocate for art and being very open-minded about art and even participating in art and just, um, creatively complaining and things like that. Um, you know, Jamil McRae and I had a great conversation, uh, got into a lot of, a lot of really interesting issues. Uh, you know, Andrew Weibrecht, I thought was, was, was really cool on a number of different levels just cause kind of raised, you know, the, the level a little bit. And when you have an Olympian on the podcast and, you know, Dylan Radigan, uh, was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, he's a brilliant guy too. And, you know, New York times bestseller, um, you know, uh, but I think the thing I wanted to say that I kind of stumbled on a little bit earlier is the really difficult thing is, is trying to have that balance between having some sort of structure and knowing who your guest is and, and what they've done and accomplished, but also having some sort of freedom to kind of listen to what they're saying. Because to your point that we started with this is about listening and the power of listening versus kind of just getting you know, in there. And, and I, that's uh, one of my biggest weaknesses, too, is I want to talk. Because, you know, they say, what is it, uh, knowledge speaks, wisdom listens. And, you know, I'd like to think I have a fair amount of knowledge. And, and that's one of the reasons I did, did the podcast in the first place. I wanted to be heard on certain issues. And I guess I'll use this opportunity to maybe break some news. Uh, what Damien and I are trying to do now, um, we'll see if we can make it work, is uh, um, kind of keep YWay Innovate the way it's going. Maybe shorten the format a little bit. Uh, do maybe a little bit less biography and, and growing up stuff, even though I still enjoy that, and we'll try and make that a part. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I want to start something more politically motivated, more about progressive politics, um, and, and perhaps nationally. And because, I've, I've again, my macro you know, uh, focus, I, I've put a lot of time and, and energy into looking at national politics, and I think I have a fair amount to say. So um, we'll look to see if that drops in the next uh, few months. Uh, there's... Uh, a lot on my plate right now, but uh, I think when the winter comes, uh, there's less to do outside. We'll see if, uh, if there's new podcasts from North Volume uh, hosted by yours truly once again. Look at that. D- coming out on Stories of Gumption. <laughs> a little teaser. Let's see if people are Breaking paying news. Yeah, see if people are paying attention. So it sounds like it's in the infant stages of, of coming out. Um, but do you have anything that you can share about like what you're thinking you might call it? How you might talk? Is it going to be a talk show with multiple people? Is it going to be just you? What what kind? Can you share anything? All or? right. Well, it is infant stage, but you know this is this is the place to do it, right? Podcast is about having conversations. And, so and full transparency. I mean, whatever you say now could be total. That's true. Crap, and it could be come something totally different and to ryan's knows? point i'm not legally bound <laughs> uh we haven't signed an agreement uh, either with damien or here uh no i mean we've kicked some ideas around the the thing is when there's five hundred thousand podcasts a lot of the, the names have been taken but i think just something simple like pro- progressive politics with matthew wait um and i think w- what we've discussed is i think the first you know five ten episodes what i'm likely to do is to highlight what i think are the biggest picture um, issues that are facing our country and our democracy, you know, things like, um, you know, climate change, like uh, political participation and efficacy, uh, things like, uh, you know, racism, 
uh, you know, uh, wealth inequality, you know, just the big, big ticket items, uh, the prison industrial complex. Uh, you know, obviously I, I, I could probably go on for a while and, and that's why I think it's likely to be about 10 episodes. I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to have to prioritize them and, and maybe, you know, kick it around with Damien and figure out, you know, which ones maybe objectively are a little bit um, better, but you know, ultimately, the thing that's been great is the editorial discretion and freedom I have. I mean, on one hand, it's it's pretty much a, a lot of my doing is I book the guests, I you know do the research, I write the episodes. Um, you know, we have great producers there, and Damien's a great resource. But I guess that's the one thing I'd say about podcasters: if you're out there, like it's a lot of work, and mm-hmm. you got to be able to put the, the work in. And it's one thing to start a podcast; it's another thing to sustain a podcast. For sure. And that's the one thing that we're, you know, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy that we're sustaining this and, and maybe even thinking of expanding. But, you know, I guess at this point, I want to give a great shout out. And you already did it to, to the, the wife and to the family. Couldn't do this without them. Um, yeah. Well, uh, you know, podcasting doesn't take place during your day job. At least, you know, at this point in time, you have a day job. You're a correct. public defender. I'm an insurance broker. That's priority. But I have so much fun doing this in order to successfully do it. It's after hours like this is, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, you can't say enough about about the support systems that you have that allow you to enjoy, at least for me, a hobby at this point that that also helps me become a better uh, person at my job, better listener, uh, but also educates me a little bit. I I learn something new and it helps me grow. So I, I can't agree with you more. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> and I couldn't agree with you more. No. <laughs> uh, this has been good, man. This has been good. So so podcasting, we've talked about law school. We've talked about your story of gumption. You know, I'd love to pivot a little bit here to the stories of gumption rapid fire section. Okay? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Um I, I kind of ask the same questions all the time. I don't know. You've probably heard a couple of episodes. Sometimes I tweak them a little bit, but it, it's very nice for me to kind of reflect back on the answers of all the different guests I've had because it, there's something kind of beautiful about asking the same questions of all your guests and then allowing all your listeners to compare the answers, which is kind of cool. I couldn't agree with you more, and that's why my format, I try and keep to that a certain to a certain extent, you know, background, uh, et cetera, but the one that I tried to do at the very beginning and, and still try and put it in there if I can is, you know, overall direction of the North Country, you know, uh, good things, bad things, kind of hear what people are saying, because I agree with you. Like, you've got this valuable resource of talented people coming in, and you kind of want to cross-reference each other and then, you know, kind of use those data points to, to figure out, hey, what what's really going on? What, what are some of the signals, as we talked about, the signal versus the noise? What are some of the issues that, that really are, are captivating people and people uh, think are interesting? So Absolutely. Well, here we go, man. I got, I got five of them teed up for you. Are you ready? Probably not, but we're going <laughs> to do it anyway. All right. This is the first one. I, I, I'm pretty sure this is always the same first rapid fire question. But Matthew Waite, Esquire, what's a book you would gift to a friend and why? Okay. The why. Wow. Um, You know, I, I'm going to come out with a big confession. And I might have said this, but unfortunately, the one regret I have is I wasn't a big reader growing up. I wasn't a particularly voracious reader. I like to watch, you know, TV, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I read books, obviously, and, uh, and, uh, uh wish I could admit that I read much more, but the ones I read tend to be kind of esoteric and, and, and a little bit focused on issues that I'm kind of looking at, like things like anti-fragile or, um, you know, some other kind of weird, uh, <laughs> books on different subjects. You know, Chris Hayes had a great book on, on, you know, kind of the state of the media and institutions failing. If I were to gift a book, uh, you know, based on uh, being on this podcast today and actually gifting this book to my father, I would say Gumption. Uh, Is that by Nick Offerman? Nick Offerman's Gumption. Oh, dude, you just you just you made my day. You knew exactly what I was at. I'm waiting for the first person to say Gumption. God, that is the book that inspired. Well, partially inspired this podcast. Was that the right answer? That was the right answer. You you passed the bar today. No, <laughs> that was great, man. That was great. Yeah, uh, for those of you who haven't, I'm plugging your book now that you you picked for the. <laughs> but if uh, you haven't read Gumption by Nick Offerman, it's great. 
It's so good. He, he goes through his his 50 people or so that he thinks are American heroes, some of which, you know, include the likes of like George Washington, which you kind of can't necessarily omit uh, in, depending on, you know, your your definition of, of an American hero. But uh, there's quite a few that I was never aware of. And he had this opportunity to go through and meet a lot of them who are still alive and interview them. So it's kind of a cool, uh, cool book. So anyhow, I digress. Question number two. If you could only have one more meal, that's it. Just one. That's all you got. What would it be? Yeah, so I think I'm going to actually split the difference here because I've, I've kind of struggled with this. On one, the, the first one that kind of comes to mind instantly is tacos. I'm a big fan of tacos. I mean, you can, they're versatile. You can do so much with tacos. So, you know, I feel like even while it plugs me into one specific food item, even within that, you know, being the lawyer that I am, there's a lot of work you can do, right? Uh, <laughs> a lot of gray area. You'd have like to 10, argue. Taco, 10 tacos and they'd all oh, be a different I mean, taco. Fish tacos. I mean, basically you can put anything in, in a wrapped, you know, uh, tortilla, tortilla and yeah. call it a taco, right? So I'm working on that aspect to it. And of course, because I have a podcast focused on the North Country, I think I would uh, be remiss not to mention Michigans. I mean, Michigans are just, e- e- mm. they're so classic here. And, uh, you know, I guess Ronnie's, you know, it's controversial, but that's always been my favorite. A little bit more ketchup style. And I prefer that over the mustard of like a McSweeney's. And, you know, Claire and Carl's kind of splits the difference. But Got it. Got it. Yeah, I uh, in high school worked for Gus's. Okay. So, so they're, I, they're pretty good. They're yeah. in the middle there somewhere. Yeah, they're in there. They're in contention. Uh, I was just washing dishes and cleaning tables, though, man. So, you know, you you take a free Michigan for your break as a, you know, compensation when you can. So, quick story. Our family did at one point do, like, a competition taste testing between all of us. The, the problem is, is I, I blind. Like it was blind? It was blind. The problem is I feel like we never really, like, properly administered the uh, results and don't necessarily have all the data points. But that's something we'll have to maybe do in a larger scale and... Uh, Let's, let's maybe a joint podcast. Um, so you talked about the format. I, I even though the first several I think with the the new podcast are going to be kind of me. I'm going to be citing articles, perhaps video clips, trying to make it a little bit more multimedia. But I do want to you know venture out and have panel discussions and other things. So look to you know to kind of pick and choose and bring in some experts here and there on certain issues. So um, you know there's a lot possible. But tacos in Michigan. <laughs> first first episode of the new. Uh, progressive politi- politics with Matt Waite, who has the best Michigan. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, to be determined. I, I will. Se- I will certainly be uh, looking for updates on that. Question number three: If you could put up a billboard anywhere you want, what would you put on it, and why? Good question. Uh, Tim Ferriss question, Matthew Craig question, uh, but I do appreciate the you know the kind of uh, uh, getting the different results uh, from different people and uh, so I had a chance. I think to th- you've answered this question. Well, on I thought Matt about Craig. it with Matthew Craig's <laughs> podcast. I probably answered it, but I have a better answer for you now oh, because look at that. Okay, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think a lot of people may know that I'm pretty outspoken, certainly on social media um, about politics and. Um, I really think right now the poster is Bernie 2020. I mean, I, I I'm I'm gonna I'm going out there. It's I think that right now we lack political leadership and we lack uh, continuity and consistency on talking about really important issues to most people. And you know, I when Bernie 2016 came around, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I don't think he has a chance, but I like what he's doing. I like what he's saying. Uh, he's right next door in Vermont. Let's give it a chance. And I, I watched the whole process and was kind of sick to my stomach. You know, with what happened with the DNC and some other issues and some media issues, which are sure to come out on the next podcast, uh, the state of our media today. But um, I think that Bernie really does. I mean, he's it's not a silver bullet. His Joe Rogan podcast, by the way, which just dropped, I think was maybe still is the most number one trending podcast or piece of video content on the internet i mean it is exploding for a a lot of good reasons because that in in that interview bernie gives a whole hour hour plus of him going through point by point his policies and explaining them in depth and detail and what he's trying to accomplish um rather than just these 30 second sound bikes and these this political theater that we have with with choosing a president right now which is obscene and absurd 
Um, so, you know, that's that's the answer is Bernie 2020. And uh, if you follow me on any social media platform, it, you'll probably find out pretty quickly why. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually uh, I, I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> this is not a political podcast, but I like your answer because I've been uh, looking at the 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 candidates for the for the Democratic nomination. And I think um, after listening to Bernie's podcast with Joe Rogan and his ability to just explain it's like common sense. You know, when you when you actually take the time to listen to what he has to say, uh, he's not the crazy lunatic that Joe Rogan, you know, prefaced the, his, his very first question with, you know, you're, the gut reaction that most conservatives have to you, Bernie, is that you're just a lunatic trying to take our country into a communi- communism or social, you know. Right. And uh, he, and, and for a lot of people, there's a very raw... Uh, detest immediately without listening and um, anyhow and that's the media I mean I hate to say that but that's that's been kind of and it's generational yeah. too because when you look at the our generation millennials uh, socialism is not a dirty word right because we look at places like Norway and Sweden and Scandinavia and we're like oh yeah that's kind of cool like they provide a lot of basic needs to their people um, education um, you know uh, health care for free and it works out pretty well for them. Why can't we do that here, right? But whenever we have the discussion about you know, progressive policies here in the United States, it tends to come down to communism and socialism. And they don't point to those uh, you know, uh, northern European countries. They point to Venezuela and uh, you know, the Philippines and other ki- kinds of crazy countries which are kind of really just strongman uh, you know, uh, setups and kind of more kleptocracies and plutocracies than they are actual socialist projects. Mm. And that's what's really frustrating is we don't even seem to have a basic grasp. Uh, like We don't have a basic understanding of what socialism is in the context, and the media does a very poor job of, of framing the debate. So on both counts, we're in a lot of trouble. And, you know, talk about this a little bit. I think it was uh, da- Associate Justice David Souter came out several years ago with a study on civics education in the United States. Spoiler alert, it's bad. Like we know, <laughs> we know almost nothing about everything that's important. You know, like uh, one third of the individuals can name one Supreme Court justice. Like we've it's got so true. We it's have so true, and and we obviously watch like Jay Leno and, and you know uh, you know other people go on the street and berate these people and make them look foolish. And a lot of them are millennials, which okay, you know, I, young people in general are immature. Okay, I I get that, but you know, I just feel like in general we need to do a much more. Uh, a thorough job of investing in people and the more you invest in people and at the younger age you invest in them almost every study shows that they end up doing much much better so why it's so hard for like early childhood education and healthcare for everyone and you know uh college uh, free college free or excuse me tuition free college for in-state people who qualify like this to me is just such an obvious thing that we should be doing to invest in people and you know, if you're a constitutionalist, which I've sworn an oath to defend the Constitution of both New York State and the United States, is you just go there to uh, Section 1, excuse me, uh, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Congress's duty is to tax and spend for the general wel- welfare of the people. What's better for general welfare? And, of course, in that same section it says to promote the, uh, the general sciences and arts. Like, that's right there in the Constitution right next to, like, post office and military but for whatever reason we've put military way up on that list 730 billion dollars we just passed in the latest appropriations to the military the largest ever i think the next 10 countries uh, combined may may have the same military investments we're just not prioritizing where we spend our money on everyday people who are struggling with opioid ep- epidemics with substance abuse with just Finding adequate health care and uh, jobs and w- clean water and these things like Flint, Michigan. I mean, uh, how these things are happening in 2019 in the United States and we're still somehow puffing our chest out like we're the greatest country in the world is obscene to me. And this whole child separation policy. I mean, we're literally committing um, child abuse, state sanctioned child abuse on these families. And it's from a party that, quite frankly, had labeled itself. Uh, historically as the family values party the republican party i mean mm-hmm. i don't know how we get across this stuff and how we deal with this in a sane way and that's why i, I i'm i gotta take to the airwaves myself right unfortunately we don't have these issues i think enough um so that's why we're 
going to come out with another podcast and just continue to try and have these conversations and dialogues around these issues because I think what I'm seeing in the media, I watch a lot of CNN, I watch a lot of MSNBC, I, I, I wish I didn't, but I do, <laughs> and their conversations are terrible. It's all sound bites, and that's why, you know, coming back to it, what you're doing here and uh, what podcasters at large are doing and trying to have these conversations, it's so valuable um, that you can't really place uh, you know, a, a value, value on it, but I would say to any sponsors out there, they'd probably be well-suited to, uh, to sponsor your show and, and maybe some others out there because people will start to listen to these. Podcasts, they're going to blow up. It's going to become a medium that people want to listen to, and you keep putting out the content you're putting out, I keep putting out the content I'm putting out, and eventually people are going to figure out what's going on here. It's Absolutely. Ta- it's taken a little while, a little uh, longer than I'd like, but I'm getting a lot of positive feedback, and people to this day are coming out, hey, this person, hey, we had this person on, oh, my God, that would be a great conversation. And, you know, I've joked that I could do this till 100. It was a, a better joke when I wasn't at 75 or 69 now. But the great thing about why we can do this and why it's so sustainable is because the people in our area are so incredible and you know, I don't want to disparage the media too much, but there's just not enough out there of these types of stories. And the media I would support is independent media like PBS, like NPR, like uh, Vermont Public Radio, like uh, North Country Public Radio, like a WAMC. Um, public radio is independent journalism in general needs our support. And I wish I could throw a little bit more support behind our local newspaper. Um, I wish I could um, because it's so important. But I think we need better editorial decisions, and we need we need better stories in our local uh, paper. Um, and I'll leave it at that. So your answer is Bernie twenty twenty. Correct. I, th- I think that fits a little bit better than than everything else. That <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did I go on there? I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's it's. It, you know what? I that's part of why I wanted this podcast. Is just. And, and the same reason I would assume you want your podcast, right, is to, to be able to just let people share their stories. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I like it, man. Billboard, Bernie 2020, you got the answer, got the answer down. And, and I look forward to uh, hearing about your next podcast for sure. Thank you. Um, okay. Question number four. We've got two more. You ready? I am because you gave, you gave me the questions in advance. So <laughs> this one's actually tough for me. My what advice would I give my eighteen-year-old self? Yeah, what what's a piece of advice you would give to your eighteen-year-old self? I think a lot of what Gary Vee is saying now, and I think that's why he's taken off and he's become such an influencer. Because when I was eighteen, I wish I had someone just saying like. Do what you want to do. Like, be free. Just find a hobby, find an interest, and pursue it very aggressively, and see if it works out for you. Um, you know, if that had been me, I would have probably kicked my teeth around in politics a little bit earlier, or done this, or done that. Just, uh, I feel like I kind of let life come at me a little bit when I was younger. It's rather than having gumption and kind of grabbing life by the horns and having that conviction of exactly what I wanted to accomplish and how I wanted to accomplish that is basically just try harder. Yeah. I mean, if I had to yeah. boil it down to two words, try harder. Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Question number five. This is my favorite question of the entire podcast. So if I, if we could put together a three-person board of directors for you to guide and mentor you through the rest of your life, who are the three people you would choose to be on your personal board of directors? They can be alive, deceased, uh, famous, or not. But but if you could sort of craft your own personal three-man-or-woman board of directors, who would it be? And why? Okay. Wow. That, I'm glad you threw in the man-or-woman thing because in my head I had three men, and that probably would have been sexist. And I'm now trying to do a little bit better with that answer. <laughs> um Okay. All right. So Gary V, I mean, I, I think just because of what he's doing and where he is, I think that he would be a great person, a younger person to have on the board of directors. Um, uh, the other person that kind of instantly came to me was Dr. Cornell West, um, kind of bringing a little bit moral leadership, historical leadership. I think the two of them between Gary V and Dr. Cornell West uh, would be excellent. 
Oh my God! I let's go with uh, someone like uh, Dr. Maya Angelou. Um, you know, just I think you know between uh, Dr. Maya Angelou and uh, Cornel West and uh, Gary V. I think we'd we we'd do pretty good for ourselves. That's great. I love it, dude. Thank you for so much for coming out and giving me you know an hour of your time and and talking some gumption and and talking some some podcasting and dropping a teaser for the future we'll see what happens but uh certainly appreciate you uh giving some of your time to the to the stories of gumption podcast today well i appreciate what you're doing ryan uh amazing uh interview amazing questions and you come prepared and uh i'm really looking forward to what's coming up next because uh you've got something here i think the collect thank you thank you very much i think the collective uh progression and growth of all the podcasts locally uh you know I got friend. I'm friends with Galen Trombley. He's got the Galen Trombley show, Matt Craig, Craig cast you why wait, innovate. And then, uh, per- progressive politics potentially is the title with, with Matthew Waite, And, and of course all the other podcasts locally it, as one grows, all ships will grow with the tide. And I think that's, uh, an important thing to remember. So thank you again, uh, for the listeners out there. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of stories of gumption. Uh, And if you haven't done so already, make sure you smash that subscribe button on whatever medium it is that you are uh, listening in. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Craigcast, or Craigcast, CastBox, you know the works. Uh, Thank you again for tuning in. You're the reason why this podcast keeps growing. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time.